Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Today is Saturday, May 7th. It is 9.09 a.m. here in beautiful Central America. Well, Central United States. We're not, we're not in, we're not in Central America. We're not in like Brazil. I'm most certainly, I most certainly am not in Central America. <clears throat> you are not. We're in, we're in the, we're, we're on Central Standard Time. That's what I'm saying. Griff, how was your week, man? Did you have a good week? You're busy, man. You're busy moving and shaking. You're doing all kinds of stuff in the uh, in the medical world, huh? Just grinding right now. I'm in a grind phase. But <clears throat> outside of grinding, Sierra took me to Doctor Strange last night, which was cool. It was a good movie. If you're into the whole Marvel thing. Is there, is there a new one out? Just came out last night. I went to the premiere. I love Doctor Strange, dude. Doctor yeah, Strange it, was, it, it, was, it was good. It was a little trippy. It was a lot. You know what I'm saying? But... I tend to like movies that have more substance to it than less. You know what I'm saying? So it's good. How was your week? Uh, really good, dude. We got about seven things going, and they're all in different directions. And uh, I'm the guy that gets to get pulled in all those different directions. Um, so a little That's stressful, fun. but it's all opportunity, you know. So uh, we're taking it uh, day by day and getting everything hammered out as much as we can and moving on to the next thing, you know. You learn a lot by getting stretched. That's the like truth. it is it is frustrating. But when you have a time like if you have 15 minutes on your weekend to go, OK, it's not that bad that I'm getting stretched. It's a good <laughs> thing. I just have to embrace it and I just have to eat it while we're still young and dumb enough to get stretched like we do. But uh, that's going to sound that's going to uh, sound weird on the podcast, by the way. Talk about getting stretched. It's just tough. Nick. <laughs> What's well, uh, I forget the exact saying that we use, but. Uh, basically, the idea is you you cannot uh, you cannot grow without yeah pushing the capacity right. You've got to push the capacity. If we're working out and we're not we're not really pushing ourselves, well, we're not going to get stronger. We're not going to get bigger. I mean, you know the whole uncomfortable right? thing, like when you say it's like growth comes from being uncomfortable. Yeah, you know how I know that every single college football workout was uncomfortable. Every <laughs> single one, from the warm up to the end, like I was uncomfortable the whole time. So. I think I know that saying to be true, just based on that alone, not even other experience. Oh, warm up, high knees. Like, it's it's so crazy. But I don't think I even do anything in t- as intense nowadays as, like, our old warm-ups used to be. But that's just <laughs> that's, that's just my kind of thoughts. On you know, it. it's probably something that, that I should probably implement. But, dude, I don't warm, I don't warm up at all before I work out. If I'm doing like, uh, you know, if I'm doing a chest day, I'll warm up my back a little bit. If I'm doing a back day, I'll, I'll warm up kind of the auxiliary muscles. I always get the shoulders warmed up. I'll, I might I do a little, a little guilty, rollout man. before a squat day, but like, you know. I just feel guilty. That's all. <laughs> because we know all of these great things. We did learn them. And I wouldn't consider myself a master by any means of working out, but it's not like I know everything about everything. So working out is something that I actually, it's like we do know a little bit about. So it does hurt to cheat myself in there, but man, I cannot bring myself to do a dynamic warm up <laughs> for the life of me. You're not, I don't think I ever will again. Ups. That's the damn truth. <laughs> man, I to this day, if somebody that listens to this podcast, cause I know there's a couple uh bodybuilder types out there, Turkish getups functional right i think hopefully it's functional hopefully it was doing something for me i don't know i did a lot of turkish get-ups half turkish get-ups in the whole lot but uh how are the markets looking this week brother man let's uh that's a great question let's uh let's hop into the old market check here 
we've had some interesting stuff happening this week. Um, I mean, the the Fed hikes interest rates again, 50 basis points this time, and they're sitting at 1.9%. So that's a big piece. Um, the the S&P takes a, a big old jump on the 4th, whenever that information came out, and fell right back off. So uh, for those of you guys listening, the S&P 500 is sitting at 41.23 right now today. Um, and Bitcoin uh, was kind of similar cruised up a little bit during that uh, May 4th time and fell right back off. Uh, Very similar. That number is uh, Bitcoin is sitting at 35.9 right now. Uh, But let's check out the Dow Jones. You know, it it really is wild to look at the Dow Jones, um, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. Look at how similar all these are. So this is all one week charts here up and down. And then let's look at the Dow Jones up and down. Well, Q, which is a NASDAQ up and then down, you know, isn't that wild? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I just I think that more than anything, though, a lot of the price hike that just happened, typically those things are already priced in before they get announced to the public, you know, from fear, whatever. So people were selling off. I just found it interesting that after that announcement of recently, after announcements like that, even when they're like, the last time they raised like 0.25 or 25 basis points, I don't know if that was like a month ago, but after that news hit, people were like, okay, like that's all they're going to do. And then everything started going, going right back up. But I don't know. I saw, you know, Michael Burry is, um, I think he's the guy who predicted the 08 crash. Oh, oh, okay. 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 The, why can't I remember what movie that is? It's about him. Big short. The big short is about him. He tweeted yesterday in like 2008 from 2012, there was 12 dead cat bounces of at least 10% during that recession. And mm-hmm. he, he highlighted another recession and it said similar thing, a lot of like 10%, 12% bounces. Oh, it's coming. Oh, we're fine. No, like he's like, not until there's maximum pain. He's like, that's, that's, uh, until there's maximum pain, this thing's going to keep going down. And in 2008, I believe the number was over 70%. The market had officially crashed at one point in time. Pretty yeah. much all markets. So, Dude, unfortunately, uh, it doesn't look good out there. Here's, the a, here's another piece that I was looking at. You know, I mean, I've seen, I don't know if this just because I've been looking into it myself, but seen a lot recently here about, you know, Bitcoin. Is it a, an inflation hedge? Is it, is it not? You know, I mean, you got somebody that buys up here at 60, 66,000, 69,000 at the high. And then, and, and then it falls off since, well, that's not much of an inflation hedge, right? Uh, in dollar terms, obviously we can dive much further into this, but I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this, man? I mean, like, you know, from the outside looking in people see, people see Bitcoin go from 39.5 to 35. Did that hit 34? I just think that I mean what what are what are people thinking on the outside you know I mean this is pretty wild I just think that I mean we could look at it but one bitcoin equals one bitcoin mm-hmm. and what we need to stay focused on is how is the network growing more than anything else I mean like the price of bitcoin in US dollar terms it's not that it's in, not inconsequential it's not inconsequential because you know at a certain point in time the we all hope Bitcoin flips the dollar or we all hope it goes to some astronomical number. And we can at least use our Bitcoin as collateral, like a home, um, 
you know, so on and so forth, kind of like that. But one Bitcoin really is one Bitcoin. Two countries have adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. Um, The IMF just paid Argentina $45 billion to not use the Bitcoin network. So I would say, I would say, and the greatest thing is true innovation, like the internet was originally and then TCVIP, where, you know, you store the internet information packets and send it around everywhere. Bitcoin is TCP IP. You're sending around money packets on the internet everywhere for free. And it's a technology that's going to displace, you know, we talk about all the time. It's going to displace so many things, whether it ends up being the unit of account and displacing everything in the world, who knows, but it will displace quite a few things as sound money. So, um, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. It could go to, dude, it could go to 10 K, but if you really understand it, I'm buying it. Like I will buy this until this, until Bitcoin, I would say at a price point that I would personally be nervous at is if it went to like a thousand or something, something so low that it's like, you know, is it over? Is it dead? What happened? But until then, I mean, I'm riding. I don't really care. It's really difficult for, you know, even for myself. I mean, we've done a decent amount of research, I think over the past eight, nine months. Um, it's even still a difficult concept to wrap your mind around that the store of value properties of Bitcoin have nothing to do with the dollar price of Bitcoin. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The, the dollar price of Bitcoin reflects, you know, roughly adoption and, and those certain types of things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if a Bitcoin is uh, uh, 69,000 or 35,000, that doesn't change that there's a supply cap of 21 million, right? And that's where the true value is, right? All, all economic value is some form of scarcity in some matter, right? I mean, we, we get paid to expend our time and capital in the marketplace. Well, our time and capital is not unlimited. Time, right, is the most scarce asset that we've all got. And capital, uh, or uh, sorry, not capital, uh, labor, our labor that we provide for our employers or as a, as an employer uh, into the market, uh, we can't just work all day, 24 seven, 365 without, you know, doing, there's limits to it. Right. Um, so it's a really strange idea to try to wrap your head around uh, the, the store value properties have nothing to do with the dollar price, but it, it's unfortunate right now that most people don't understand, don't know. Therefore, they believe that if the price of Bitcoin is going down, then the value of Bitcoin is going down. Maybe that maybe that's true in dollar terms, but not in real values, you know. More people need to watch Doctor Strange and the Madness of the Multiverse, you know what I'm saying? And understand <laughs> that Bitcoin in some weird way is like we're taking <clears throat> this is I'm we're only what eleven minutes in. We're taking money, a human created energy form human created energy form because we create money without it economies don't exist but it's like the first time that we've taken human money like we've taken money and we've made it not tangible we've made it not like it's not materialized into the physical world we see it is digitized into the computers that we now kind of are attached to some people i've heard people call us cyborgs already you know at some point but if we will be cyborgs or we will use a lot of this technology, isn't it smart to have something on the digital landscape that is a solid form of money? Uh, I would think so, just in that native sense. But, you know, we'll see, Nick. Yeah. Well, Riff, by the way, I don't know if you guys noticed, but right. 
right here. Maybe that'll be my new name if I'm this on like Twitter or something. This is Riff this week. It's not Griff here. Also, I don't know if you guys can tell or not, but dude, the allergies. Whew. Uh, that's the last I'm going to mention it. But uh, I'm excited, Griff, to have another guest on this week. A guy I've talked with several times about uh, what it is that we talk about here in our podcast. Um, he and I also work in the same industry. Um, so we get to have some industry kinds of conversations about how things are being affected by what's going on in the world right now. Many topics you and I have discussed at length on this show, uh, but excited to have Greg Mayfield on with us today. Greg, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Good. Doing good this morning. Happy to have you on here with us. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. I'm I'm kind of in that same boat. I think this allergy allergy stuff's for the birds, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, good old Oklahoma, good old Oklahoma allergy. I think we all fight that for for a while, but uh, I would have thought in Oklahoma that the allergies weren't as bad as I, I guess everywhere else, but they're pretty bad, huh? Because it's like a dust, it's like a dust bowl out there, so there ends up uh, being a lot of allergies. Yeah, and it's just so much pollen and stuff from from the trees and the plants, and which you know we need pollen, but it's uh man it really about april and may it just really seems to uh really latch on to people and, and it's almost like you feel like you've got a got a cold you know mm-hmm. it affects your throat your nose gets stopped up and no it's, you know, it's just kind of one of those deals where uh just like every year you know it's like stop Absolutely. start popping allergy pills or just push through <laughs> it because that's pretty much how it's going sure. to be every year but uh but anyway, hey, Greg, what's uh, what are your thoughts there on the the last piece of that conversation we were having? The idea that, I guess, not the idea, but the the truth that uh, that Bitcoin store of value properties are not at all connected to the dollar price of Bitcoin. How, how does that impact you? What does that make you think of? Um, you know, my mind said I was just when y'all was kind of talking about that. Uh, the to me when I think of Bitcoin going down in price, my, you know, instant thought is it's going down in value, you know, but understanding the fact that it's still valuable at that price, but, you know, the, the dollar dropping doesn't really affect the uh, the value of the Bitcoin. You know, I was sitting here thinking, I, I, I seen a deal on uh, Odom Jr. Is that his name? Uh, Oh, Odell Beckham. Yeah, or Odell Beck. Couldn't even remember. Did you see? Did you see the story about him? He 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 got a contract signed, and then he decided to take mm. his payment in Bitcoin. Yeah. At and I think his uh, his contract was like seven hundred and seventy four thousand or something. And so by the time he got paid in Bitcoin, it had dropped, and his payment was like. 400 and some thousand and then they hit him for 50 percent taxes and i think he ended up with like seventy eight thousand dollars in bitcoin <laughs> on his contract oh i'm like man how does that happen you know and i think that's wow. that's kind of the uh, i don't know if it'd be a scary thing or not with you know bitcoin and, and the value and the you know and and, and wanting to get paid in bitcoin uh, and then something like that happening to you so mm-hmm. uh that was kind of a, a scary thought, you know, and, and, and I think about that in the future of, 
you know, investing, and I know that's not bringing a negative thing to it, but it's like kind of a question too, you know, how much risk are you really uh, putting out there when you want to get paid in Bitcoin, you know? Um, but anyway, I don't know if I, if I steered off of your, your question. No, you asked, no, no, yeah, it's good. Just kind of thinking about the value. I get paid in Bitcoin through strike for the most part, and I've been doing it for a while. And it is, <clears throat> it's tough from that standpoint that you can't currently buy enough things. Like the purchasing power of your Bitcoin, there really isn't a market for it right now. But I think the cool thing also is, is there's supposed to be one actually this year as Strike partnered with what McDonald's, Wendy's, NPR is what it was called. And they partnered yeah. with Shopify, right? So yeah, the Shopify have, and then two other companies that are the major point of sale. And the way they figured it out is so that when you will be able to spend it, there won't be a taxable event either, which I think oh, will be yeah. will be cool. Somehow they have it wrapped up. So Strike is a lightning network company. Mm-hmm. Lab, or what is it? Lightning Labs is what they're called. Or I don't know what their parent company is. But Strike is essentially just the first user-friendly lightning application where they have it so you can make Bitcoin turn into dollars, Bitcoin turn into euros, Bitcoin turn into any currency in the world instantaneously and they don't charge a fee. I think, I think lightning fees are like the lowest they can possibly be. And then on strike even lower than that. So I think that's a narrative that hopefully, cause isn't it funny? Everybody holds their Bitcoin like store, but like you hold it. You think in like 10, 20 years, you're like, all right, like if you're, you're going to be rich or something of that nature, mm-hmm. but we do need that network to grow so that we have somewhere to spend it right at some point, exactly. because I don't think, I don't think it's advantageous for the people that hold Bitcoin for there to be a world where it's like, okay, to spend it, you need to use it as collateral and go through a bank. I, like that doesn't, <clears throat> they yeah. can, I feel like that That's gives, like, yeah, sure. I feel like that gives the banks or something too much power. So the network of Bitcoin really does need to grow in order for us to start spending it. But I feel like it's coming along, especially like how is I know we're going to get into this with your job and project management. So maybe Greg should just tell us a little bit about what he does in the real world and how we can talk about Bitcoin and that. But I was just going to say, like, how does this inflation at what point does 8.5 percent up start affecting business owners? And they're like looking for an alternative and then Bitcoin can come right into play. And at that point, one Bitcoin really is one Bitcoin. I mean, like whether they get screwed in the end, because if you sell your Bitcoin early, the only people that are going to hurt her is probably you, because in 100 years or 50 years, your grandkids are probably going to hate you. But <laughs> but, but that's just kind of yeah. one thing. But uh, Greg, I know Nick, how did you guys connect through NEO? Is it like an is it a NEO <laughs> connection or is it a Bitcoin connection or mm-hmm. what's the connection? None of the above. But. Really? So just by coincidence, it's an NEO yeah. thing? No, wow. Nick, you can tell. You can yeah, so, uh, so my mom and Joe, they, uh, I guess they they met with another couple and uh, became friends and were hanging out. And uh, Greg and his wife, Casey, happened to be in that same cr- group of cats that were running around together. Nice. And then uh, Greg and Casey got be close with my mom and Joe and they became pretty good friends. And then and so we've kind of hung out with them several times through through my mom and Joe. And um, at this point, you know, now we're 
uh, we, we've talked and worked together a little bit on, uh, on a couple of things professionally together um, and, uh, and, and kind of had these types of conversations and we've got to sit down and have, have a couple of the late night beers and have good conversations and um, got to hang out at the pool in the sun, you know, so we've had a couple of yeah. uh, times to conversate and uh, yeah, so that's kind of how we got connected, but Greg, what's uh, what is exactly that you do? Um, I know you're a project manager with ABEST Roofing, but what, what does that look like? Um, yeah, I've, I've been in the, gosh, the construction world for, gosh, 28, 29 years probably started. Uh, just give me a little backstory real quick. And so I got into the yeah. work for a lumber yard years ago, got into roofing sales, lumber sales. So I kind of found my niche and just kind of hung in there and, and stayed in that uh that roofing construction field for a number of years, had my own residential roofing company for about 15, 16 years, uh, sold out, uh, went to work for ABEST on the commercial side. Um, so I've kind of have got a taste of residential, commercial, um, done a lot of, uh, you know, remodels. Me and Casey's flipped a house or two. So just, uh, that's kind of been our, our niche. And so just, Seeing all of that uh, and the the price increasing, uh, the shortage of materials, everything that's uh, affected ABEST is uh, it's been a, it's been a, a real struggle because uh, there's jobs we have out in our pipeline. We've had 15, 16 jobs out there that uh, we have sold that we can't get material for. So we've got a huge pipeline of uh of work out there and we're waiting months for just material to arrive uh which is really hurting us too because it, there's like a price increase it seems like every 10 days on material yep. so you get a contract you get your pricing out there and then you end up and materials come up 10 15 18 20 i mean we got jobs that's went up from november to march and it went up 50 percent. so the the big fight i think on this whole deal and me and nick has even talked about it uh, because we worked a little bit on on a, on a project uh, is just where do you lock down the price and how do you guarantee that price uh, you know for the customer in the next few few months as you're working on that on that project so um i think probably the the material shortage is really really hurt the company right now because uh we don't have that pipeline of funds coming in right now so um i, I can't see that not affecting really about every business out there because you can't get material pricing is going up every every week um it's it's really um i think affected the company in a in a huge way and so you know just praying that eventually things will loosen up material starts coming in you know they get control on the pricing and then uh, i think everything will eventually work out but uh, but right now it's 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 a fight in the, in the construction mm -hmm. business right now so Greg, it's, it's kind of interesting thinking about um, thinking about this. So Greg, being uh, a roofing contractor uh, on the general contractor side, that would be a subcontractor. 
Um, so it, it's it's so, it's so many layers that that makes this even more difficult too, right? Because Greg, as a roofer, he's got to he's got to look at the plans, identify what exactly it is that he needs, and then he's got to go talk to his supplier or suppliers, depending on what their relationships are and how they operate. They've got to get pricing locked in. So that they have a good price, so that they can, so that they can put together a good proposal that allows them to pay for their overhead expenses, pay for all of their all of their crews, and uh, and and pay for all the material, and then whatever your profit markup is on top of that. So they've got to have accurate numbers to do that, and that may take Greg real quick. What what how how long does it take you to get numbers back from suppliers at this point? Um, we can. I mean, we can get numbers back probably um, within a couple of days, okay. but, you know, they're not giving us a very long guarantee on those Absolutely. prices. So how long is a guarantee typically? How long? I just wanted That's. I had a question before you had any of those questions. How long is a guarantee typically for materials on a project? Um, about seven days. And yep. then is that normal? like you throughout your entire career seven days is the normal or is that just become the new thing simply because prices yeah, keep going that's up just where we're at yep. today in the past um <clears throat> oh we could go literally six eight ten twelve weeks and not even have to worry about an inflation in in pricing yeah uh, mm. you know the of course shingles and all that is you know uh comes from the oil industry, asphalt, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, so we're, we're dealing with just so many aspects of the Mm -hmm. pricing just because of, you know, the oil industry too, you know, that that really, really affects our, our business, you know, as pricing and oil Mm -hmm. gas go, go up and down. So, but, you know, in the past we could, yeah, literally could go, you know, two to three months and not have to mm-hmm. worry about any price increase. Now we're literally every two to three days, we're, yep. we're looking for something to, to kick us back. And so, so these guys, they've got to lock in their pricing with their supplier. And then I, I don't know, it, it may take, uh, depending on the size of the project, maybe a day or a couple of days to put together their proposal to get it to us as the general contractor. And then yep. we've got to get all of our numbers in from all of the different trades and we've got to put that in. We've got to review their scope of work, make sure everything is put together and includes everything and excludes everything that we need it to. And then we've got to put our proposal together, write our narrative for that, and then present it to our client. I'm telling you, dude, it's crazy because by that point, oh yeah, I mean, you, you guys have already experienced two or three price increases, yeah. you know? And so, dude, it's so damn difficult to lock pricing in right now. Now, roofing, I know, is really bad. I mean, TPO and poly ISO board, are so damn difficult to get, but then there's, yeah. I mean, there's like, uh, aluminum and glass for glazing materials. Mm-hmm. That's, that's you're, they're getting price increases every couple of weeks. Um, same with plumbing and flooring. Like it's just, it's everything, wood, everything. It's all this different stuff. Uh, HVAC units for metal, anything that's metal lead times are, are a huge issue. It's, you know, it's like, Hey, we want to do this project, um, next month. And it's like, okay, that's great. But, um, how long is it going to take for us to do earthwork and concrete and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, well, we still then we still got to wait another month for you to get your material on site for it to to really be started. Um, I mean, that's uh, that that makes doing construction really difficult. And then add in that uh, interest rates are now coming up, 
and money's not going to be so cheap anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means people are going to be building less. That means that, I mean, th- there's got to be some downturn at some point, you know, um, which is, is going to be scary for a lot of people, you know? Well, yeah. no, yeah. <clears throat> that makes a good point in your guys's industry. Who borrows from who? Because I know the Fed rate goes up, obviously, 1%. But then, what was it? Mortgages were at 5.47% yesterday, which was the highest it's been in a long, long time to just get a 30-year mortgage on a home. Yeah. Is there a similar process for your guys' companies to finance a lot of these large projects? And if so, does that mean your guys' interest rates of these large projects are now going to go up each time? Um, you know, Griff, I don't know exactly the ins and outs on that deal mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you um i'm afraid i'm i'm just gonna sound like i'm kind of shooting the bull mm-hmm. no <laughs> worries same thing but yeah i mean just to be honest i'm i'm not real sure um how jim who is the owner you know of a best and stuff on how um yeah i'm not sure how he maneuvers uh you know the, the buying power and how all that kind of stuff affects so i know um i know on on our side working as a general contractor with the yeah. clients that are wanting the end building um typically typically we on our side will work with um an architect and the client to put together the preliminary process of uh drawings and and plans and all that kind of stuff getting through the feasibility stage but at the end of the day, it's the client typically that's that they're the ones that have to pay the interest rate. Um, they're either, you know, uh, I don't I don't know that anybody's building with cash right now. I mean, every everything is yeah. leveraged in. We're, it's it's the credit economy, right? So they've got to. They're typically working with a lender, um, mm. and and there's you know the, this is a huge part of of the relationships, right? I mean, every every industry's got trades and and, and different professions that they work with closely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for, for Greg and I, it's um, it's working with uh, for Greg, it's working with our project managers, different subcontractors, um, their suppliers. And then for us, we're working with all of our subcontractors, um, the architects and the clients. And uh, and part of the clients, they're working with the architects, with general contractors and with lenders, with insurance agents. Um, there's there's so many different elements that all come together for the full project to work. Um, it's, uh, it's wild, man. And, you know, to think about, to think about, uh, what inflation has done over the past, you know, 27 months since February of, uh, 2020, um, man, it's, it's changed a lot of stuff. I mean, Greg, you've, you've already talked about several points in, um, in the price increase realm. Uh, how how has that affected you guys' flow of business? I mean, are you guys getting priced out of jobs? Cause I know that we've seen that a couple of times for ourselves where it's like, yeah, you know, it's like this, this number feels really high, but it's like, then we go get other numbers to check it. And it's like, damn, dude, like, ev- like these prices are just high, you know, like it just is what it is. Yeah. And it's funny, Elizabeth Warren likes to think that it's, uh, that it's, you know, the, the greedy business owners that just want to expand and widen their profit <laughs> margin. It's like, no, no, yeah. you guys corrupted money. You took, you took away the sound money and gave us the easy money. And, uh, and that devalued the currency, which is increasing the cost, increasing the the. It's not increasing the cost; it's decreasing the the spending power of your dollars. So we've got to spend more dollars to buy the same goods and services, which increases the the raw value, the dollar value of whatever the thing is. 
Um, yes. So have you guys seen yourselves getting priced out of out of projects or how has that affected you guys? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's been uh, there's been a, a quite a number of jobs that uh, we basically price ourselves out of. We are probably one of the uh, we probably work on a little bit of a higher uh, margin profit wise than most of the other companies uh, we've been around for you know 40 years um you know a very very established business we you know we we really thrive ourselves on going above and beyond uh and just trying to uh be a little bit different than everybody else and so um i think just not really adjusting the profit margin uh just through all the the price rising on, you know, even the labor has gone up, you know, and you would think, well, why would labor go up? You know, material is what we're dealing with, but the, the labor in the world is going up alongside of the, the material costs. So Absolutely. Uh, it, it really, by the time you put everything together, and like you said, I mean, we've even hired, we have an insurance guy we hired that actually works for a best in the office um and so by the time you get all these things put together and you're paying all these people to do all these little extra things your insurance guy inside and blah 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 i mean before you know it you basically have priced yourself right out of a lot of jobs unless you want to decide to make less on your jobs and lower your your profit margin which you know most people don't want to do that but that's basically what you have to do to get some of these jobs, you've got to, you got to bring, bring things down. And then of course that affects everything when you start lowering your profit margin, of course, you know, that's just common yeah. sense. Then, uh, that puts a lot of strain on, on everything. And, uh, you know, and especially coming through the winter months, early spring, you know, unless you've got some storms, you know, businesses, this, the nature of the beast, it gets slower in the construction time, you know, and in, in the fall and the early spring. And so uh, with all this going on, I mean, I, I know some companies that shut down that hasn't made it, yep. uh, you know, so if you don't really look ahead and maybe even put some money back as a homeowner or a, or a business owner, then those slow months are really going to kill you with all this going on right now and the pricing and, and yep. everything. Uh, you know, and I think the COVID thing, Nick, uh, you know, I think that just really affected the one-on-one coming to the homeowner's house. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people didn't want us around, you know, they mm. don't want a salesman coming up knocking on the door when, uh, you know, when the COVID was really happening, that, that really uh hurt our business because you know that's our whole thing is getting in front of the customer and uh you know and and showing them all the different things that they need for the roofing and and stuff like that so the covid was just a a huge blow to us too because it's 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 all about customer and and getting in front of that customer and uh and plus i don't think people want to spend their money they didn't know what was going to happen i'm going to hang on to my money COVID's here, you know, I'm not going to be able to work. If I get sick, I've got to keep my money. And so people were hanging on to their money too. And then plus they didn't want us to come to their homes. <laughs> so that was a like a double whammy, you know. Um, it just sounds like within the last two years, 
COVID is like an extra middleman in a lot of business processes nowadays <clears throat> that nobody needs because I've been doing sales pretty much. I started my sales career in COVID. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I mean, at this point, it's just life, <clears throat> yeah. but that's an extra layer. But now let's throw in, especially in your guys' industry, because quite honest, you know, in the, in the medical world and the healthcare industry, <clears throat> I haven't seen it inflation affect things quite as much because no i mean like from my perspective i'm only about eight months into this deal everything's arbitrarily all the way up because of insurance companies anyway so everything's already really really expensive in my industry but it sounds like for you guys money's actually created like a third middleman when in essence to be really good at contracting or building anything efficiency is obviously like a big factor but it's very hard to be efficient when you have Middleman one is like Nick, you know, you have your, you have your like project manager or you have your uh, construction or contractor company from what it sounds like. And then you have your subcontractors for certain projects or you guys just go out and get your own jobs. But COVID barrier, typical sales pressure barrier. And then let's just throw in on top of people don't even know what's going on with money anymore. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And a lot of people are very confused. They just see prices going up, but they don't really know why. They don't know who to get mad at. Anger gets thrown all kinds of places. It's just not fun for business. So, Greg, how did this? How did you get to Bitcoin? Because obviously, you see, there's a lot of issues in our current system, and it's maybe it's not what you know all the protesters were saying two years ago. Maybe it's not what this group is saying or what this extremist group is saying. It's really maybe it's just something wrong with our money <laughs> that's kind of making <laughs> us go crazy. It's like a poison to the central. I don't know, to, to our to all our brains, really, when you poison your money supply, if people don't understand it, it kind of seems like some people are going crazy right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's some of us who have said, well, there is this alternative. And I don't know if we have any other way out. But I just wanted to kind of lead that into how did you get into Bitcoin? Yeah. Um, and even if I mean, off of that, if there's anything that you see Bitcoin immediately helping out in your guys's world of project management, roofing, commercial, residential, I mean, anything with construction, just how Bitcoin could kind of change the game up a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, as I've kind of just try to watch the economy and and different things, I I think I've come to realize, like most people, that I feel like our value of the American dollar is just kind of starting to fade. And that's a scary thought. Um, and why it's scary for me is because, you know, I'm not that far away from retirement. Um, you know, and I look back and, you know, I check my John Hancock retirement once a month just to kind of watch it. And and it's like in the past, I would say two years, um, I think that I've maybe gained a dollar on my retirement, which is, you know, and and that's scary to me because I'm thinking, okay, what if we get to the point to where this money is basically has hardly any value, you know, what, what do those older people do, you know? And then that's where I thought, you know, that's where Bitcoin comes in for me because Mm. my, my goal is to basically transfer everything to Bitcoin. Uh, because I have faith in Bitcoin and I'm not that experienced in it. This is kind of a new game for me. You know, I love talking to Nick. He's just got a lot of information. Uh, I, I like talking Bitcoin with him because 
you know, I didn't know there were Bitcoiners out there. <laughs> I never knew such a thing, you know, and uh, and I wish I would have hey. known this a long time ago, you know, but I'm, I'm kind of late in the game. And so my my thinking is going to be different than you younger guys, because y'all have a huge future ahead of you to figure out mm. and to shift things around. And, you know, and I'm kind of coming to the to the end. You know, I'm 58, you know, basically 59 and a half. I can pull my retirement out, you know, without any penalty and so forth. And so I've got to be thinking, okay, what, what am I going to do here in a few years? Because I'm in fast mode, you know, all of my, all of my uh, deposits, everything into my 401k, I'm a hundred percent aggressive. And some people might think that's a little bit crazy taking that risk, but uh, that's just where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I don't have my thing set for longevity. I'm, I'm at that point now where, you know, these last few years I've, I've speeded everything up. I'm a hundred percent, everything across the board. Um, and so anyway, coming back into Bitcoin, uh, basically I first heard of Bitcoin maybe in 2015. Um, and I'm not even sure up till maybe around 2013, 2012, that it, you know, was very popular. Um, but so I'm going to kind of slide into uh, how I got involved in the Bitcoin. And so I had a good friend of mine I worked out with at the gym and, uh, and he had said, Hey, you know, he goes, I've got hooked in on this website and we can buy our supplements through Bitcoin. And he said, the cool thing about it is he goes, we can buy Bitcoin. And he said, it'll fluctuate in price. And I said, I don't even understand what you're talking about. What does all that mean? Fluctuate, <laughs> you know, cause just not knowing anything, you know, and that's the word he used just, you know, fluctuating price, but have more value from day to day, kind of like the market stock market. And I said, okay, well, tell me what you're doing. He goes, well, you know, we can buy our protein, our supplements, our amino acids off this, uh, off this website. And he goes, we can buy Bitcoin and we can set on it for a few weeks and a month. And then as the value goes up, then we can buy our supplements and we're basically getting stuff for free, you know? So I was like, okay, that sounds like a good plan. So we started buying Bitcoin, I think in 2000, maybe 15, 16, I think it was around $300 a Bitcoin, I believe around that time and kind of bouncing up and down. So I bought, you know, six or seven shares and, and he had bought uh, maybe 20 or 30, but he also had a guy whispering in his ear that was in the oil, oil business said, hey, you need to buy more Bitcoin. Something is going to happen with this with with this uh with this bitcoin here this you've got to you've got to buy more bitcoin so i think he bought about 50 shares and uh and 50 bitcoin buy, you're saying you know, correct huh 50 bitcoin you're saying he, he bought 50 bitcoins i think he he had bought like 40 to 50 i think somewhere somewhere in that range um and you know i didn't have the money at the time to buy that many bitcoins so um so we just started buying supplements and, and stuff like that. And then one day I'm, I'm, I'm at work and he calls me like six or seven times in a row and I'm in a meeting and I'm like, man, what is going on? There must be something wrong. So finally, you know, I call him back and uh, he goes, Greg, please tell me you still have some Bitcoins left. 
And I said, well, no, I think on our last order, I, you know, I used all mine because we'd buy quite a bit of stuff. And he goes, man, he goes, I'm telling you, dude, you ain't going to believe what happened. Bitcoin just went from 300 to 13,000 or 26,000 or something of Bitcoin. And he goes, and I just made 980 some thousand dollars overnight. And I'm, I, I literally fell to my knees in the, in that deal and just put my hands over my head and I'm like, Oh my God, how does this happen? You know? So he was all screaming on the phone and, and I just really thought it was a joke. Um, and, and, but, but it was a real thing. It I mean, it really happened. And so that's kind of how I got introduced to, to Bitcoin uh, as far as getting involved in it was just buying the supplements. And then uh, after that happened with him, I just, I kind of thought, okay, man, this is, this is a real deal. Something is, is really going on here. So, um, so I know it's kind of a crazy, silly story and, and how I got into it. So, uh, you know, so from there, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of kept up with it a little bit and then, you know, just never got real involved in it. And then, you know, met Nick and just seeing the excitement and, and stuff with him on, on the, on the, uh, you know, on the Bitcoin side. And I, and that just kind of got a fire started back in me. And so, uh, you know, here I am trying to learn, you know, in the, in the later years of life, all this stuff, you guys already know, I'm trying <laughs> to get caught up and, and, uh, and learn about it because, you know, hopefully I can get to that place to where, you know, I can educate, you know, uh, people on, on exactly what we're talking about here too. So, yeah, uh, look, looking forward to, to more episodes and seeing you guys really take this to the, to the next level. Well, thank you, Greg. That means a lot. That's a, that's a pretty wild story. I know the, the first time I heard that when we were, uh, we were in here, had a, had a few beers and we were hanging out and you, and I was like, dude, you got to tell the story on the show. And he was like, well, we'll do it another time. Maybe, maybe sometime that I hadn't drank a couple of beers. Uh, but, but, uh, man, that's a crazy story. Um, it's, it's interesting to see cause you know, Griff, Griff and I had two different experiences joining, uh, or uh, joining, getting into the space, you know, Griff got in probably a year, year and a half or so before I did, but he, he played and learned the lessons that I did not have to learn the hard way. Uh, he played, he played the crypto game. And when okay. I say the crypto game, I'm saying, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Shiba Inu, Dogecoin, like all these other different, uh, um, uh, all of these different altcoins elements. Yeah, altcoins. <laughs> Griff yeah. was kind of playing the game, playing the speculative investing game, and uh, and then he then through the grapevine. Long story short, ends up realizing that Bitcoin is the only one that is mm -hmm. going to be into perpetuity. Mm -hmm. And then whenever I had hopped on later on. Um, you know, Griff had been in my ear for, I don't know how long. And I was like, okay, well, what's the deal? You know? So I started, I started listening to some podcasts, got on YouTube university and watched all the YouTube videos and read the articles, got on Twitter and started inter interacting with people. And, uh, man, it is, uh, it is such an interesting deal. And I didn't realize what I was really getting myself into. Cause I've always had some type of interest in money and the, the investment markets, whether it's real estate or businesses or, um, the stock market. Um, and, and all these different facets of that. But, you know, Griff and I took our fair share of economics and finance classes in college together. Mm -hmm. And um, man, it wasn't until we got into bit, wasn't until I got into Bitcoin that I realized, oh, I don't know anything about 
what it is that we've been doing because it's all been based on several different assumptions that were not true. Um, so mm. I've got a question to ask you, Greg, um, and this is this will be kind of putting you on the spot here. But um, whenever you think you mentioned money, you mentioned money several times throughout this. Whenever you think of money, what is that? How do you define what money is? Um, and man, that's a really difficult question. That's a, it's well, a really tough question. You know, the first word that actually pops into my mind is security. I mean, that's that's the very thing that I think of. And maybe that just kind of envelops everything because that mm -hmm. security is, you know, knowing that I'm going to be able to pay my bills every every month. I'm going to have groceries. I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have a car. Uh, you know, that that right there to me, money is, is security. And that's not saying, you know, I want to live the high life and everything like that. Uh, it's nice to have extra things, but uh, to me, that's, I mean, that's it. Money is, is security. Uh, I mean, that comes to having peace in your heart, knowing, you know, you're going to be okay. Uh, that, like I said, I think that it just envelops everything, that one word, uh, security. And that's, that's exactly what money means to me. So it's interesting. Um, a lot of people, you know, look at, uh, you know, much as the same that I did uh, previously, you know, I, I thought of money and it's like, oh, it's, you know, like you go to work and you make money and it's, you know, it's right now it's dollars, you know, we have US dollars, that's how we get paid, that's how we do business. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and there was not really much thought beyond that. Um, and, uh, it, it wasn't until, you know, we, we get in, it's like, okay, the dollar's money. And then it's, and then you start looking at inflation and what, what okay, well, what is inflation? Okay. The increased supply of money. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. What is money? And, uh, you know, money is at this point, what I've found is that it's, uh, money is not something or tangible good. Money is more of a representation of the economic value that we've created in the marketplace by meeting some need in the marketplace, right? Um, yeah. and, and so money is the representation of that economic value, but, but we create money and we, we earn money by exerting time and energy and labor into something um, that, that meets a need in the market, right? Um, and, and so, so money at the end of the day, I think down the rabbit hole is time and labor, right? It's the mm -hmm. time that we yeah. expend and the labor that we expend in the market. Um, and so it, it's really weird that now money for, for a lot of people, I, I absolutely agree with you. Money is security. And, uh, for most people, money is just dollars, right? Money is dollars. Um, mm -hmm. but money can really be anything. You know I mean? If you look back through history, money was, uh, salt, it was cattle, it was, wampum shells it was rye stones it was gold it was now yeah. now then we started using paper dollars um, that were backed by gold and then 1971 we officially go off the gold standard and now we just have fiat money that's backed by none other than uh the government that that is issuing that right it's backed by the good faith and credit of the government um yeah. and it's not backed by any true scarce value right when you think about value from an economic standpoint, it should be scarcity. Scarcity should drive value at some level, right? At some level, right? There's obviously other factors that play into the value of something. But if, if there's an unlimited amount of anything, well, it's probably not going to be the most valuable thing out there, right? I mean, yeah. gold has been the hardest form of money 
uh, for thousands of years up until uh, up until 2009 when Bitcoin was created, um, where Bitcoin made all these improvements upon that technology. Um, and uh, why was Bitcoin or why was gold so valuable for thousands of years? It's because it was the hardest form of money in the sense that you can't just go create more gold. You can't just make it in a lab. Uh, and, and, and then it also, also never destroyed. Yeah. You, you can't destroy it. Oh, I think, I think Griff fell off there. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me flip this here. I guess Griff fell off there, right? Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, why was gold so, so valuable? Well, a, you can't create it super easy. You can't, uh, to, to mine it, to actually mine it, um, is a very costly, uh, process both in time and labor and in just cost for, for overhead expenses. Right. Um, and it, and it doesn't, it's not destroyed. So all the gold that is created is still out there in some sense, right? Some of it, you know, people have buried it, you know, on dead people die and they, they bury it with them, you know, with their necklace or their ring or whatever. But for the vast majority, all that gold is still out there. And, um, it's not absolutely scarce. Uh, but it's it's one of the most scarce things out there and has been for thousands of years. And that's why uh, over the years, gold for thousands and thousands of years has been a standard, a store of value for those properties. Right. And so it's uh, it's interesting yep. to think about that question. What is money and, yeah. uh, and, and what is the best form of money? You know? Yeah. Well, you definitely took it. You took it to a bunch of different layers. I think I just kind of was on the top layer of that. But yeah, you broke it down exactly. I mean, that was that's right, <clears throat> right on point. For sure. I think the cool thing is, is no matter how, because Breedlove asked that question on all of his podcasts, Nick, what is money to like all his guys? And that's who I like originally, I guess, was learning a lot of this stuff through. But <clears throat> I think we can all agree money is something that we do not want a central authority to be able to mess with ever again because i <laughs> think you. i think once you really go down this rabbit hole money there's a history of money and it's so weird because it's so boring to 99 percent of people money you know i mean it just is until you bitcoin kind of i guess bitcoin kind of makes money fun <laughs> like a little bit oh to, yeah if you're a little bit of a, like if you're a nerd at all and you're just like all right like what's been going on in history and everything like that every single time and this is ray dahlia's video Every single empire has done the same thing. They get their power and they get most of their power during the times in which the, their marketplace is the most free. So their economy grows, the military grows, everything grows. Then they reach a point where they get to a top because most of the time they debase their public. Most of the time, the top 1% or whoever the public officials are, the government officials, almost every single time, whether it was the British Empire, the Dutch Empire, the Greeks... Every single one of them from silver coins on down to whatever their uh, medium of exchange fiat currency was, they debased their public. I mean, every single time. Uh, the United States is coming up on 100 years of world reserve currency status. The last, like, four empires, it only lasted about 100 years apiece as well. So, I mean, we are creatures of habit a little bit, but I just think it's funny. No matter how you describe money... Yeah, we can all agree on one thing. I think every generation forever is tired that a government or even worse, a Federal Reserve that nobody elected with just like 12 people sitting there is deciding literally what happens with your money. And we can see, you know, one pandemic, one that if we're being honest, 80,000 pages just came out yesterday. It was kind of BS, the whole thing. 
uh, and we didn't really have any protection. I mean, a lot of like what happened was we kind of did it to ourselves in the sense we kind of jumped the gun on a lot of the COVID stuff. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff wasn't going to get helped up by a vaccine or shutdowns or anything of that, uh, that sort. And now yeah. we're in an economic, we're at an economic point as the world reserve currency and this, as this big country where kind of screwed ourselves and we screwed ourselves over. I'm not saying that it was nothing. I'm not saying that there was never a concern. I don't think anybody said that about COVID. Thank right. God. That, thank God that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Right. But yeah we shot ourselves not in the foot. We shot ourselves in the heart when it comes to being the world reserve currency. And, you know, the fed in terms of their credibility, I think is just shot because how can we trust these people ever again? Inflation's never going back down. Our gas prices are never going back down to a certain level. They can quantitative tighten now, which is great. The fed can shrink their balance sheet, but they still printed 40% of the money. So they're shrinking their, digital balance sheet that's already super inflated so i don't even know how much that's really going to help other than cause a recession for everybody else so i don't know money is security money's a lot of things but security (laughs) security i feel like it is the most important because at the very end of the day you shouldn't have to be some genius that has to calculate a bunch of numbers to invest a bunch of your money Hmm. for 40 years to just have a retirement you should be able to make money and your only job should be to save more than you spend. If you want to invest any of that money, it better be in a really good company or something you know. You should be allowed to save your money and just go to retirement and be done. But we have a government that's convinced a lot of people otherwise because now we all have 401s and we're all money managers and we're all trying to figure things out when really it'd be nice to just have a savings account, right? Like yeah. Bitcoin. I don't know. <laughs> For real. And it's it on it's pretty, it's pretty wild to think about, you know, the changes in economic times mm. and the, the methods that we use for, you know, because the vast majority of people, they don't care about macroeconomics. They, they care about their personal finances, right? It's much more about personal finances. And to think about, to think about you know, uh, I saw my great grandma last night. She's, I think, 92 years old. What, what she did with her personal finances when she was growing up, whenever she was my age of 24, are completely different methods and strategies than, than how I operate today because of the, the change in the landscape, right? Um, and it's, dude, it's so crazy that, you know, savings rates um, are at like all-time lows at like 2, 2%. Now, I think I think a lot of people during the, the COVID time that got stimuluses probably stored some cash. Um, of course, we know that that's been eroded away. At, or bought some crypto. Level, right? Or bought, also, or bought some also, crypto, right? I also know a lot of people uh, did that. They all went absolutely. to the, they went to the um, crypto yeah. casino, man. A lot of people didn't just buy Bitcoin. They were like, ah, oh, let's have, give me some Shiba. Give me some Let's Go Brandon coin. Give me like whatever <laughs> yeah. the hell they were coming out with. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, so it's wild to look at how the methods have changed over time. And we're at a point now mm-hmm. where it's like it feels risky to save cash, you know? Like you can, you, you like we've got to save cash at this point because at some point the downturn is coming, and we want to be able to uh, to strike when that opportunity is there. That means that we got to have liquid capital ready to go, right? Um, right. But but you know, to to Griff's point, you, you've got to be a freaking genius day trader and and macro uh, investor to just not not to get ahead big time, but to keep up with the pace of inflation. You know, I mean, I, I know whenever I was in the traditional finance industry. They, the, the, the number that was pushed on inflation was a hundred year average, 3% inflation. That was what was believed to be true. 
Um, and we know Wouldn't that that'd be nice, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd, be, that'd be something. But you know, like even even at three percent, and and Brian Harrington said this uh, a couple of weeks ago on the on the radio. He said, um, you know, operating in this fiat credit economy is like trying to fill up a bathtub that's got a hole in it. Whether it's three percent or eight and a half percent, it is it is a hole nonetheless. Right. There's always going to be some value that's siphoned off. And you know who it goes to, Greg, and who it's taken from? It's taken from the people at the very bottom. They're living on fixed income. It's taken from the yeah. people at the bottom that don't own assets. It's taken from the people at the bottom that are living paycheck to paycheck. And it's redistributed to the people that are closest to the money printing machine. Whoever gets that first that first uh, uh, amount of newly printed money which now it's not printed money. It's uh, it's just data entries in one central authority's node that keeps all the ledgers tight. It's one central authority, That's their nice. ledger that, that, that controls all the money, right? And whoever's closest to that, that creation of money, they're the ones that benefit from it. Also, the people at the top that own all the businesses, that own all of the, the equities, that own all the real estate, that own the hard assets that appreciate in times like now, those are the people that benefit. And, uh, and, and again, going back to money is time and labor. Well, if they're devaluing money, if they're, they're siphoning off the purchasing power of money, that means that they're siphoning off and debasing your time and your labor. So now if you go out and you work 40 hours in the week and you, and you bust your ass, well, you, you want to save that money for a rainy day fund, or you just want to save it just to save it. You want to forego consumption today and you want to lower your time preference and think more about the future, you're penalized for that. You're not incentivized to do that and via inflation, right? And, and, and this is this goes so much further into the culture of people, right? If, if we are pushed and forced into a position to think about today, 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 because we can't save our money because it's eroded over time, that leads to us all making short-term decisions. And short-term decisions do not lead to the best long-term outcomes. And so it, to me, it makes sense that if we can be on a sound money standard, if we've got hard money that's decentralized, that's static in, uh, in supply, that holds value, that allows us to save and think about the future. And if we're thinking about the future, we're going to make better long-term decisions, which, gonna, which is going to make the future better for all people that are connected. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's so crazy that we're living in a world right now where that is not true. And people just don't know or just don't care. Like, it just doesn't make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange Multiverse, Nick. You got to go see it because it was actually, <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. Uh, no, no spoilers or anything, but they traveled to, like, this different multiverse, right? And Dr. Strange was – he was with this other character in the movie – but they get to this other multiverse and the other character had been to a bunch of them, like a bunch of these different uh, universes or different what civilizations, really, like at the end of the day. And she just picked up food from a street vendor, like on the street. And Doctor Strange was like, where'd you get money to buy that or whatever? She's like, actually, like in most universes, food's free. She's like, we don't have that problem here. Uh-huh. And I think that's funny because... Wow. Really, in the sense with Bitcoin, right, when you have a money supply and you have a network where it works in a 100 years, we might not live in that time. But there is a time where it's possible in 100 years, 150 years, money is gaining purchasing power over time, basically reversing everything that's been happening for the last 100 years. 
Well, in the sense, like, you know, I'm not a socialist or a communist or whatever, but in a sense, you can make it so that things are cheaper over time. And I mean, if you keep dragging that out, dragging that out, dragging that out, that means wealth is going to be more spread out over time, which I mean, I don't think is it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's so funny nowadays how you have to, de- for some reason, you feel as a capitalist, if you're a free market person, you have to defend the billionaires and the way the game is played right now. I, I just don't feel that way because Bitcoin is this real capitalism, real free market presence that we haven't had for a long time. And if I'm being so honest, unless you're a freaking genius or you have some multi-million dollar idea that just comes to your head one day and then you have the balls to also take the risk to do it. Becoming one of those wealthy one percenters, or as Nick put it, close to the money printer, it's just not as it's just not as plausible as it used to be. I'm not saying it's impossible because I work my ass off every day to try to get close to that money printer if that's what the game is going to be. But at the end of the day, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we lived in one of the universes where you could just go pick a pizza off the street? I mean, and give them one, <laughs> give, give them one, give them one satoshi, and, and they thought it was they made a joke, and I think this is it is kind of funny. They're like. Yeah, your universe just doesn't seem to have it kind of like figured out. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like why would you guys charge each other money for for the food? Like there's other things, but for the food, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like we're the only species on this planet that pays to live here. Hmm. We might yeah, run it. We might run yeah. it, but we are the only species that pays to live here and our form of money has actually if you look at time, if you look at the history of money, it's actually really gotten worse. It's gotten less sound over time. Fiat money, the last 50 years, ever since 1971, is the softest money has ever been in the world's, not just not just like kind of soft here, there, no, in the world's history, this is the softest money has ever been. And I don't know if we can all like take a screenshot and look around, but the world is going insane. I mean, we are literally going insane. So I don't yeah. know if that has something correlated to the money, but to me, it kind of seems like maybe it does, but. Yeah, it's just me. So, do you guys do you guys run into people more that are interested in Bitcoin, or they don't have much faith in Bitcoin? Hmm. I've, I've found for myself uh, a lot of people don't have faith in it, and they they poke fun at it because hmm. they haven't done the research. They haven't they haven't learned about what the issue is. And what a potential solution could be. So a lot of times, you know, like whenever I, I like I'm, I'm at the office all the time, I'll, I'll talk about Bitcoin all the time, you know, and, and they kind of joke around with me about it and stuff. And it's all lighthearted and fun. Uh, but I mean, it, it's it's for me, it's it's a lot of just people lacking the, the research. You know, I mean, you go online and you listen to debates between Bitcoiners and non-Bitcoiners. And the common thread is that the non-Bitcoiner doesn't know what the whole situation is yeah every every person in my experience it's it's just a time it's a time and information question more than anything i mean anybody i talk to that's spent hours learning about this stuff you can pretty much tell right but the people who end up you know just preliminarily getting into it and then getting caught into the FUD, the money, the crypto, the altcoins, the NFTs, the, all the other stuff, you know, you can kind of tell um, the, like that happens with some people. But for the most part, it seems like there's a good chunk of people that at least I experienced. They're not in Bitcoin, but they're very curious now. Like they're just like, OK, like 
so is this going to be better than what we have? Like, I think people are open to at least the idea of it more than they were two years ago, but I don't know. It's all a, it's all a question. I mean, I think adoption is very small at this point in time, but I think that's kind of a good thing that for people that are in it, because we're still building this new, the new world's still getting built. I think a lot of the COVID and money printing has kind of even stimulated the Bitcoin market into us thinking like we were supposed to already get to 69,000 or whatever, maybe, maybe not. I think the whole thing is that you shouldn't care. You should only care about 21 million Bitcoin, the network, and worry less about everything else. Bitcoin, more or less, is not an investment. It is a savings account. It's just the best savings account ever because the interest rate in your Bitcoin savings account, well over the last 13 years, has been 269,000 or some percent. So I guess that's a good savings account. The goal of Bitcoin when you own it should be to spend it. At some point, you're going to just, you want the power of that Bitcoin to go up over time, and it will. I mean, that's really all you have to worry about. It's the opposite of cash. If you hold cash in a savings account right now, in real time, it's getting deflated. You hold Bitcoin as a savings account, real time, sometimes we've seen the value of that can skyrocket because a lot of people find it valuable. And at the end of the day, that is how money works. Money is a, I guess you could say money is a Ponzi scheme. The Bitcoin network is not really money, right? The Bitcoin network is this robust kind of industrialized energy energy taking, producing really Bitcoin, but it, it is its own thing. The money aspect of Bitcoin, yes, sometimes at some point, everybody just has to go, all right, let's do this thing. I think the network will push us there, but people are curious enough now, at least, that will never understand the network, that will never understand anything, but they're curious because they're like, should I have some of this? Is this better than cash? Is it real? That's always the biggest question I get. Is it real? I'm like, yeah, it's real. What do you mean? <laughs> I was like, is I was like, are your text messages real? I was like, do they go away? How many people have you seen get in trouble through something of their digital past in the last like two years and get canceled? Oh man, Bitcoin, I guess Bitcoin's the same as you know everything you do on the internet is always there in a sense. So Bitcoin I like is that. Just that per- Bitcoin is like that personified, you know, in yeah. money. I like that idea that uh, are, are your text messages real, right? It's like, it's, it's all just digital. It's all just right on your phone. Like, are your text messages real? And it's like, yeah, they are. No shit. I guess it'll only be real to most people when you're really a cyborg. Like when you really have a chip in you or you really can see the digital world in real time from your own brain, which Neuralink and things like that are coming out because, you know, it's not because we keep trusting these governments, but there are cool things still being built even through these times. A free market, I think, produces a renaissance like me and Nick like to talk about. But it's not like these other, you know, times don't produce talent, don't produce things like uh, here's a really her- horrible example. The Nazis came up with some stuff, right? Like I'm I'm pretty certain that we use a lot of what they did in their medical research or whatever, whether that's good or bad. It's terrible. But things still seem to thrive. Talent still seem to thrive no matter what economic environment it was in. It's just... Bitcoin gives a chance, in my opinion, to do it most equitably. And at the end of the day, that is important because nobody nobody has more rights when they're born into this world than anybody else. And Bitcoin kind of ensures that uh, because you're fixing the money. And right now, that, that ain't the game. You know what I'm saying? Elon yeah. Musk, think about this. Elon Musk was this damn close from becoming nothing. He needed a government contract to do it. He was this damn close. 
I think in a Bitcoin world, he wouldn't have ever needed a government. That's all I think. And I, I hope that there's not so many talented people like him that, you know, kind of just haven't made it because they're not very good at getting financing or their idea isn't cool enough to the right investor at the right time. Like, I don't want technology, science and math innovation to turn into being a college quarterback where you go into a room of five guys and three of them only really had a chance from the beginning because of the politics of the situation. And this guy likes him and this guy likes him and this guy likes that. And then this quarterback's like trying to do everything he can to just appease whoever. I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be a, as fair a process as possible because cream rises to the top when the environment is right. And yeah. Bitcoin, Bitcoin's just given us the chance to make that environment right. So, mm. you know, really I don't good. know. It's That's just, really uh, it's just, it's interesting, right? It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I did think about this, Nick, the other day. If you are a Gen Zer or on the cusp or even a millennial or whatever, and you are actively promoting against Bitcoin or you are actively promoting bad projects, because I don't think all altcoins are bad projects initially. I think as if their attempt is to be money, I think you've, one, already lost, and two, you're, you're hosing people. But it's funny. It's, it's just funny because if you're 24, 25 actively promoting against disinformation against Bitcoin, you're actively rooting against yourself because there's going to come a time, right? Where if you don't make 200, $300,000 a year in any state, not just California, not just New York, any state in America, if you don't make a certain level of money, which is a top 5%, a top 10%, you want to own a home? Nah, sucks. You're going to be check to check forever. And then when you uh, retire, we have these great uh, retirement home packages for you, for the poor people, for 95% of America, for the yeah. socialist government or whatever it is to eventually just like give you a breadcrumb. And I, I really hope we never get to that point. I will never get to that point. Bitcoin has ensured that for me. There is a network of Bitcoiners out there. I do truly believe. Isn't, isn't this kind of the point? If Nick and I needed to leave one day and just like up and go to another country or whatever. If we didn't have Bitcoin, we would have no chance. At least Bitcoin in right now, and in 10 years, it'll be amazing. But right now, we still have a chance. The United States didn't want Bitcoiners. We have a chance. We can go other places. We have money. All you need is money. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I guess that's a, man, we're off the topic of where uh, Greg was asking us what do people what most most of the people you guys talk to like are they yeah. non-bitcoiners they make fun of it hell yeah they make fun of it yeah. they don't they, they everybody makes fun of it it's so bizarre to me that people even like that they make fun of it though yeah. because it's like you guys are making you guys are literally like how many people pl- posted black squares on their uh story instagram story i think i even did because i didn't really know what was going on to be honest with you or i had a different perspective at the time how many people did that though Okay, so like how much research do you guys need to do to understand that even that problem was just caused by money? All of the systematic problems that most people our age and even a little bit older than us talk about not being in the home, living with parents. Just look at what the fuck happened in 1971.com. It is a pretty it's it's pretty simple. You don't have to actually go into it like uh Nick and I have, but you can if you want. I mean, it's fun. I enjoy it. I feel very up to date. I feel like I very much so know everything that's going on thanks to Bitcoin. But you don't have to be some 
money genius or economics student or even all that curious to just look at a few charts and go, what the fuck happened in 1971? Why does my money have no power anymore? Why do my labor hours not matter as much anymore? Why do I have to do four times more to just get the same as 50 years ago? I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure some of that stuff out. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like, uh, I guess it takes it takes a lot to get off zero, you know, is what I would say. Yeah. But those are uh, those are really good closing thoughts there, Griff. That was uh, that was some good stuff. Uh, I guess uh, I think I think Greg had some uh, technical issues, um, but got to say thank you for uh, for him coming on. I thought that was kind of a fun conversation. Um, he'll be he'll be a good one to have on again in the future because he had some he had some other really good questions that we didn't get our way to. Um, but we'll have to we'll have to continue diving into those things. But that was uh, that was fun to have Greg on. That was a good little uh, little conversation we got to have with him. And man, how about that story with his friend? Huh? Making nine hundred grand and. It's interesting to see like he was they were buying Bitcoin for a reason that was not for Bitcoin's sake. And right. They found themselves in it. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously that that story, I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty others that are just like that, where it's like, man, I was just holding Bitcoin and then made all this money. You know, that's a wild deal. But um, so, Greg, shout out to you. Thank you for coming on. We had a, a, a ton of fun with you. Um, this is episode number 23, man. We are uh, we are pumping these suckers out. Um, appreciate all you guys listening. Come check us out down here on Twitter at Nick and Griff Show. Nick is NYC and spelled out, and Griff is G R I F F Show at Nick and Griff Show on Twitter. Come hit us up. Uh, let's talk. We uh, we love broadening our perspectives with other people's perspectives, so that we've got more of a well rounded view. So come hit us up on Twitter. Uh, listen to us on all the major platforms, Apple Music or Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are now on Amazon Music, um, which you can listen to on Alexa, which is cool. Um, we got the, the videos up on YouTube and on Spotify. Um, so come listen to us. Thank you guys for listening to us, and we will see you next time. Peace.